0: Okay, I wanna talk with you guys on um growing in faith. And uh and Peter is talking about this, so let's let's read that and then we'll see where we go from that. Okay? Uh Second Peter chapter one verse five through to eight. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence, and moral excellence with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone." The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is, a, this is a whole list that Peter actually gives us. That, you know, you start off with the one thing and you add on top of that and it becomes bigger and it becomes more and more and more and more and you grow in it. And, but, but Peter starts off in view of all this. So there is a starting point, and the starting point is actually uh, written down before right, what we started to read. So let's let's read through that as well. That's the same chapter and the, the two verses before that, 3 and 4. By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. So everything that we will talk about later, God has already given you. Uh, but you just don't know, at cer- certain moments, you just don't know that you have it. But you need to step out and doing it, and then actually you start seeing that you have it and God has already given it to you. Yeah, so, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of His glory and excellence, He has given us great and precious promises. And these are promises that enable you to share His divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. This this is so incredibly powerful. You, You can meditate on this for the rest of your life and still only be scratching the surface. This is so incredibly deep. There is so much in there. You can live from this for the rest of your life. He starts off, God has given you everything already to live a godly life. What is a godly life? It is living like, uh, well, you need to be careful in the way you say it, but living like Jesus here on earth. You know, without sin, without the corruption of this world, without the corruption of the worldly desires that are like, you know, pulling you into things. God has given you everything to live the life like Jesus. Do you realize that he actually says over here that you have the possibility, by everything that God has given you, to actually live a life without sin, You are able to live the rest of your life without sinning. Because Jesus is our great example. Jesus has been, he has died for us on the cross. And you are able to live this life that Jesus lived here on earth without sin. Did you ever, do you, have you ever realized this? Because so often I hear people say, oh, I am a sinner, but I'm saved by grace. You're actually missing the point here, because when Jesus died on the cross for you, and you went to the cross, and you laid your life before him, and you said, this is my life, Lord. Take it. It is yours. I'm going to follow you for the rest of my life. Jesus turned you from a sinner into a saint. He turned you from someone who, who lived by, by sinning all the time into someone who was following Him all the time. He made you righteous once and for all. It says in Hebrews, just once and for all, He died on the cross to make you righteous. Who gives you the right to tell or to say that you're still a sinner? You're not. If you do that, you're actually still living in your sinful nature. You need to start living from the the nature that God has given you. It says here in verse 4, And because of His glory and excellence, He has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share His divine nature. So, what what, what happens here is that, that the nature of God, the DNA of God, was actually transported onto you, transferred onto you, when Christ's blood cleansed you completely. You know, we say it in pictures like, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, clothed in righteousness, I'm clothed in Christ. Actually, it goes all the way in. It goes within to your DNA. And you are living in the nature of God. His divine nature is within you. I pray that they will all be one so that the world will see the believe, believe that you have sent me. You and I are one. May they be in us as you are in me and I am in you. God, or actually this was the last prayer that Jesus prayed before he died on the cross. God, Father, I want the people to be in me and I want to be in the people like you and I are into each other that's what Jesus prayed before he died important words very important words I want you to be in me and live in me share my divine nature live like you know this sinless life that we are actually able to live peter talks about this later in the chapter as well so it's good to read through uh when, when you come when you come, uh, when we finish here so i don't have time to do that you know so the promises that, that that are over here is the promise that jesus died on the cross for our sins that he um, um uh, uh, took away our sins and they're all we are cleansed once and for all The other promise that they were talking about is the promise of the second coming, that Jesus will return. Do you ever think about this? Do you lay in your bed at night and just like dreaming and like pondering on like, what will it be like when Jesus returns? I want to go home. I want to go home. And then I'm not talking about your home country. I'm actually talking about, I want to go home. I want to go to heaven. I want to be with my father. I want to be with Jesus. I want to spend time, I want to see Him face to face. What would it be like to actually walk the streets of gold? What would it be like to actually, with the multitudes of people, to sing, holy, holy, holy who is the Lord God Almighty. What will it be like to do this forever and ever, and even still feel that that it's like a day? You know the song, I Can Sing of Your Love Forever? It's like a 90s song from... You know that? Oh, I'm old, isn't that? You know the song? Yeah? Yeah, there you go. It's, it's, um, when in the time that I was leading worship in the UK, that song was a big hit. And I was leading that song, and then you're singing, like, I could sing of your love forever. And this is green light for a worship leader to repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat. Same because same people sing it. Still singing. Yeah, <laughs> they're still singing. But you know, also at the same time, some people say, it'll come afterwards to you, man, you're repeating the song so often. I'm like, Well, we were singing, I could sing of your love forever. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) in heaven, you will do that. You will sing of his love forever. You will repeat, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. Ah, man. And it's going to be so amazing. It's going to be so amazing. So the Lord's second coming, you know, dream about that. Yeah, you know. It's so often we're focused on like, oh man, I still want to do this, I want to experience that, I want to go through that, I want to, well, I already have a wife and I have children, so I don't have to dream about that anymore. But so many people, you know, over here, when you talk about, oh man, I just want to have a good job and I want to have, uh, I want to get married, I want to have children and I want to experience all these things. It's It's nothing compared to actually what we will have in heaven. Nothing, nothing. Still wondering if you still remember all these things. Anyway, um, there are, So that's one of the promises, the Lord's second coming. The other promise is that He will establish a new heaven and a new earth. And our uh, the other pr- promises is that we will that we have entered into His kingdom as sons and daughters. You realize this? You're a son. <laughs> You're a son of God. Let me just explain this. I'm. I'm um, sometimes um, girls say, "Man, yeah, but I'm a daughter. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a daughter of God." But if, if you look from Bible, Bible times, Bible perspectives, if you would would be the oldest daughter, and your parents would die, and you have like a younger brother, the complete inheritance would actually pass onto your younger brother, and not onto you, because you're female and you're worth nothing. new testament paul is talking about this he says there is no male there's no female there's no greek no no jew there's no uh, whatever 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 and he actually says there we are all sons and this is actually something that you should be so incredibly excited about. And you're not talking about you know, that you need to do a, a change of a gender or whatever. You're actually talking about that God or Jesus when he died on the cross. This is one of the promises. When Jesus died on the cross he took your um, female position up until the same position as the male. So you will get the exact same inheritance as I do. There is no difference anymore. We are all sons. You're my brothers. Brother. <laughs> you know, we, we're all brothers. here, and, 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 and that's beautiful. And I do understand, like, yeah, you, want to be, you are female. You know, you want to be called a sister. But when the Bible is speaking about this, know this. Uh, you know, remember all the time, actually, my inheritance is exactly the same. The Bible is talking about this because of that. It's not to actually completely, you know, push away the women. Because it is for you. There is no male, no female. You have entered into his kingdom as the sons of God. Your inheritance is waiting for you. That's a promise. And our acceptance. Actually there's even more in that. Because when you are actually. um, Entered into the kingdom of God. And you are sons. Let's just say daughters as well. You know for. um, To be politically correct. um, You are sons. And you start acting in a certain way. Isn't it? Have you ever seen Titanic? Movie. Oh Rose. Oh Jack. Jack, don't die. You know. Anyway, yeah. I'm the king of. The... Anyway, that one, yeah. There, the, the fiance of Rose. You remember that guy? He is a nasty, nasty guy. He is not nice at all. He is like puffed up, and he he's he's. Um... You will hear in the end of the movie that actually all the money that he has is not his own money. Now, all the money that he has is money that belongs to his father. And he is just waiting for his inheritance to come. He is a bad example in how you start behaving when you actually are so incredibly rich. But when, um, when, when we are entering into the kingdom and we will see who we really are, we start acting and living like sons and daughters of the living God. It comes with an authority it comes with, with an identity. You know, the princess of our king, she was on television. She's 16 years old. Like a few months ago in April, when on King's Day, she was interviewed for the first time. 16 years. And um, <coughs> um, w- in the Netherlands, you still have, when you talk to older people, you say u. You don't say jij. So that's like a thou. And, and uh, the, the, the lady that was interviewing her she is in her 40s, I think she is and she was saying, "U," to a 16-year-old, because she is the princess. And, and as soon as we enter into the kingdom of God, she has a certain authority, and as soon as we enter into the kingdom of God, it actually gives us a certain authority. We can walk like that. We are royalty. You don't walk around and say to everyone, I'm a thou to you. Yeah, don't, yeah, be careful. But, you know, but, but we, we can speak into things. We can speak life into things. We can, we can be the kingdom of God. When Jesus was actually teaching us to pray, when he said, Thy kingdom come, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, he actually meant that the kingdom of God would take a, a, a form through us. And we need to model this to the people around us. So that's just a few of the promises. There are obviously there's so much more. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says this, All of the promises of God have been fulfilled in Christ with the resounding yes. And through Christ our amen ascends to God for his glory. So all the promises of God through Jesus have been fulfilled. So when they speak in the Bible about the fact that we are righteous, it has been fulfilled through Jesus. So it is like that. We are righteous. You are righteous. You are not a sinner anymore. Yeah. So let's go to 5, five through to 8. And let's go to the list. In view of all this, make every effort. So in view of all this, what I was talking about, Make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with the generous provision of moral excellence, and moral excellence with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive you will and useful you will be in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the list is faith, moral excellence, knowledge, self-control, patient endurance, godliness, brotherly affection, and love for everyone. I just want to go through this, yeah? I just uh, just hold on. So we start with faith. Faith is so incredibly important. It's not, it, faith is not like, oh, I believe in Jesus. Faith actually should be the important, uh, uh, you should see it um, in in the light of uh, Ephesians chapter 6. Let's just go there. Um, uh, 6 verse 16. I'm probably going to read it, you'll know it. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Before this, Paul was talking about the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, and the shoes of the gospel, the readiness of the gospel, or the peace of the gospel, depends on translation there. And then he says, "In, in addition to all of these, So, these are things that God has actually given you your righteousness, He has given you salvation, you're walking in the truth. You know, the the Spirit of God is leading you into all truth. And the gospel is ready, the gospel of peace is ready to walk in. That's everything, that's all, and a lot of the stuff that God has given you. And then actually, He says, hold up your shield of faith to protect that. And it says that it will just stop a few or some of the arrows that the devil will throw at you. No, it doesn't say that. Actually, your faith actually holds back, stops, quenches all the fiery arrows that Satan is throwing at you, is shooting at you all the time. That's how important faith is. That's how important it actually is to keep your shield of faith up at all times. Because Satan wants to come and he wants to attack you. He wants to take and rub you from your identity in Christ. He wants to rub you from, from the position that Christ has put you in when he died on the cross for, your, for you. And all these arrows are being shot at you and he wants to stop you and he wants to attack you and he wants to uh, hurt you and he wants to take over as we were talking about yesterday with sin. And then Paul says, if you hold up your shield of faith, it will just quench all the fiery arrows that, that Satan will throw at you, all of them. It is so incredibly important to actually know when you are uh, standing strong and when you're actually standing weak. Because you, when you're standing weak, you want to hide in, some, in someone else's like, uh, uh, strength, isn't it? Sometimes my faith is weak and then I need to go to people and say, can I hide under your shield? Can, can you just like, help me at this moment in time because I know that I'm weak? can you can you just like encourage me? can you like build me up in my faith again and then I can hold up my shield myself again? This actually shows or or you, you need, sometimes you need to show other people that you're weak because you need to be careful. Your faith is extremely important extremely important standing and and, and your faith in knowing that god what god has given you and protecting that faith hold up as a shield then he's talking about moral excellence so your faith on the through your to through your faith needs to be added moral excellence And actually, the moral excellence that Peter is talking about is exactly the same as the glory and excellence that he speaks about in verse 3 and 4. So what I I talked about, that God transferred his DNA, his nature, onto you, that's what he is talking about. So so he's actually saying, uh, you're not just receiving God's DNA, you're actually supposed to live God's DNA you actually start to do the things that God is actually doing as well. It's when when James is talking about um, uh, looking into a mirror and then walk away and forget what you look like. Actually, he is talking about reading your Bible and reading uh, the life of Jesus as a mirror. And and you need to remember what the reflection should be looking like. And then start behaving like that. Start doing that. Yeah? Moral excellence is living the godly life. And then moral excellence needs knowledge. We were talking about this yesterday in the MTP. Yeah, we need to be careful because, you know, the uh, the knowledge that Peter is talking about is not knowing about God it's not knowing about the father it's not bible knowledge you know and, and these things are good but these the bible knowledge actually needs to lead into knowing god better i've had uh, we've had theology students here and uh, i talked with one of one of him uh, one of them and and he said like a lot of the people that are actually studying theology see it as a science So he was like, you know, he was reading his Bible. He got convicted about things that the Holy Spirit was like, you know, teaching him and so on. And then he would talk to his fellow students that were theology students together with him. And he said, man, God showed me this through his word. And the only way that they responded to was, oh, that's an interesting thought. That's an interesting theory. It's, it's a science, you know, and it can turn into a science. It can turn into, I, I need to have Bible knowledge. I need to memorize Bible verses so I can like, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, speak them out to people and so on. And, and then it's like, you know, knowledge, knowledge, knowledge. But the knowledge that Peter is talking about here is knowing the Father, knowing Him. Because when you know Him, you're willing and you're able to do things with Him and for Him. And truly knowing God, we are feeding our knowing Him and, and our intellect. Yeah, this is uh, through study, but also through experience with God. Yeah, experience is, in very, is, is incredibly important. Being with Him, doing things with Him, seeing Him work through you, seeing Him work in the lives of other people. Hmm. It was not until i um, laid my hands on someone and i prayed for healing and they got healed that i actually got to know that god still heals i heard stories but there were just stories but it was not until i actually did myself pray for people and people got healed instantly from like bad diseases and all these things that i actually started to know god in that way as well it was hat knowledge and then it became heart knowledge Experience, very important, the knowledge knowing God leads into self-control do you see that knowing the Father, knowing the the way that he is, knowing his love and his care for you, leads into self-control yeah it is controlling yourself to fulfill yeah controlling yourself to fulfill your desires, yeah to not fulfill your desires, your worldly fleshly desires that you have sometimes. That is self-control. Yeah, our desires should be uh, not to fulfill our desires, but to fulfill God's desires for our lives. So if God wants me to do, um, to spend time with him, and I want to look at, uh, watch Netflix, I should actually fulfill his desires for my life. Yeah, if God wants me to go to Africa, but I want to stay in Amsterdam, I actually, I should go to Africa. That's self-control. Yeah, even or when you're uh, um when he calls you to go somewhere and things happen and it's really sick, uh, dangerous and scary to go to you just go that's self control yeah then self control leads into patient endurance patient endurance um is not is not the gift of the spirit patience or the fruit of the spirit that is isn't it Patient endurance is actually uh, um, the ability to uh, go somewhere. Actually, what I just said, God is calling you to go there, to keep on walking and to walk in that direction. But everything around you is actually telling you to stop and is actually showing you that you should not go there. And it's, you know, human perspective and all these things. Uh, But you know that God has called you to go there. And you just keep on going have you seen um what's the movie the shack yeah good movie watch it yeah uh, but in the shack jesus actually says to to the guy you have to walk this path and when it stops you have to keep walking and then he walks the path and it's like a dead end it's like he is just surrounded by mountains he is can no go nowhere and he he's like, but Jesus said, I have to keep on walking. And then he kept on walking, and he walked right into the mountain. Yeah, And this is just, just one example, but we need to do that. If God calls you to go somewhere, go there. You know, last year, I was called to go to India... Um, The um, authorities knew my name, they uh, rejected my visa several times, I got emails uh, of people telling me that I would be uh, uh, thrown into prison, uh, into the national prison, and uh, without trial, and I would stay there forever. That was like the messages that were sent to me before I went. And it makes you wonder, like, do I really want to go? It was actually the day before I went, I got an email saying like, as soon as you get off the plane in New Delhi, because they actually (laughs) knew that I was flying into Delhi, as soon as you exit the plane in Delhi and you walk into the airport, you will be arrested. And then patient endurance actually says, keep on walking because I'm calling you to go there. I'm calling you to do that. So I got in the plane. was a... A little bit nervous, (laughs) which is okay. But I kept on walking and I kept on doing that. That's patient endurance. Keep on walking even though uh, the the, the door seems to be closed. Quite often we we walk a path and think like, "Yeah, I think God is calling me there. And then as soon as something steps up, or it seems to be that the door is closed, we stop walking. I guess God didn't want me to do this. You know, but if God calls you that way, He wants you to keep on walking. Maybe the door has a door handle. Did you try that? You know, was it really locked? <laughs> you know, or maybe you could walk through it. Because if God calls you, go, go, and don't stop at the first, like um, a circumstance that makes it a little bit difficult. And then patient endurance. Leads into godliness. And this one freaks me out a little bit. Patient endurance leads into godliness because the strongest patient endurance um, is is actually seen in the persecuted church. If you if you if you are a Christian in China. You need to be knowing what you're doing. You need to be listening to God at all times and you need to be going there because, you know, he, he, they are really like, you know, suffering for the Lord. But the church in China and all these other countries where, where the church is persecuted, the church is thriving and growing. And if you look at the West, the West in Europe, and, 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 and I actually think that the church is declining, it's getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Sometimes I'm like, we need to pray for persecution, (laughs) you know. Because then we're actually like pushed into an area that we need to live like this life that God has called us to live. To actually like, you know, that leading into the godly lives that we're supposed to live. Because patient endurance leads into godliness. So there are two sides to living in godliness uh, and, and one is living in reverence to him, worshipping God. Well, we were talking about that yesterday. And the, the other side is living and acting like him. And ex- you know, the, the thing that really is um, important in this is that you are dutiful about this. Yeah, a word that's more... Uh, um, that people don't like to hear... But I think it's sometimes really important to be legalistic about it. I need to live in reverence to the Father. I need to worship in reverence to the Father. I need to live a godly life for the Father. I need to live like Him. Just be legalistic about it. Just be very strong about it. Because God is calling you to do that and then godliness is leading into brotherly affection. The love that he's talking about here is Philadelphia love. So that's the brotherly love. And it's just caring for each other. And so, um, and then the brotherly love. So when we love over here, like brothers and sisters, we're actually feeding the love for everyone outside. That's what Peter says here. And then the love outside is not Philadelphia love, but it's agape love. And agape love is, man, it's, that's such a difficult love. Agape love is not the love that is focused on butterflies in the stomachs or feeling good. Agape love is the love that drove Jesus to the cross. Agape love was the love that Jesus was feeling when he died for you on the cross. And it, he didn't have butterflies. Definitely not. He was in pain he was in agony but he still did it out of love agape love and that's the love that that is actually um that we actually learn by loving each other over here within our community yeah so a few weeks is okay a few months makes it more difficult yeah, because you see, start seeing the negative sides of people, you start seeing like the, the things that you don't like, the things that are really annoying, your roommate always has a mess in your room and you're a very tidy person, or your roommate has like five alarm clocks every morning and she never wakes up. <laughs> you know, these, these things, you know, they are actually, you know, after a while they will get under your skin. I'm just kidding, yeah? <laughs> but, you know, there's a, the negative things of other people can get under your skin. And if we are able to uh, love each other like brothers and sisters, even though, you know, not everything you do is the thing that I like, that actually feeds agape love for the world around us in us you see that it is so important that actually we live as a community in love because we are supposed to, to work out and to live out the kingdom of God in the world outside and I want to finish with verse 8 from the Passion Translation because that's so nice and flowery. Yeah, Second Peter one eight says, "Since these virtues are already planted deep within, and you possess them in abundant supply, they will keep you from being inactive or fruitless in your pursuit of knowing Jesus Christ more intimately." I'm going to say it one more time: "Since these virtues are already planted deep within, and you possess them in abundant supply, you will." They will keep you from being inactive or fruitless in your pursuit of knowing Jesus Christ more intimately.
1: Yeah,
0: let's pray. Father, I, I thank you that when um, when we decided to follow Christ, that you've renewed our nature and that you've changed our nature into be like you. That your divine nature was transferred onto us. That your DNA is in us. And that your virtues have been uh, given to us in abundant supply. So we pray, Father, that we will grow in this more and more and more. That we will realize more and more what we have been given. And uh, that we will stand in this, living our lives for you and in you and through you. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.